I'm Tracy Bingaman. I'm a full-time working mom of five who got sick, burned out, quit my job, and now I teach women how to mom smarter, not harder. The pressures of modern motherhood are intense. You're a busy working mom juggling all the balls and living in fear of dropping the exact wrong one. Here you'll find the tools you've been searching for to confidently prioritize your life and optimize your ability to rock all the hats that you choose to wear. I'll show you how to break through your limiting beliefs so you'll have more time and more money than you know what to do with. Because even in the busiest seasons of life, you can grow to master your money, own your time, and be the mom with all the margin. This is Fulfilled as a Mom. Just like the PA profession, going from embracing the title physician assistant and paving the way for professional change and advocacy with the new title physician associate, this podcast is getting a new name. You've known us as Fulfilled the Podcast and then Fulfilled as a Mom. If you are a longtime listener, thank you. I'm so glad that you stuck around. I'm so glad that you are still here. I'm so glad we get to be on this journey together. As with all things in life, the only constant is change, and it's time for some change around here. The show is having a glow up and changing its name too. We are now The PA Is In, and this is the first episode of the newly branded show. The PA Is In, the show created by PAs for PAs, where codependency with your supervising physician is a thing of the past. Optimal team practice is the future, and physician associate has taken the place of physician assistant as the professional title of choice. We are redefining what success as a physician associate looks like and what it feels like. Here you'll find the tangible, practical things that I used to escape healthcare burnout. I'm going to show you the exact mindset shifts the money habits, the systems and processes that I use to become a unicorn PA. I now have a job that I love, abundant energy, time to spare, and probably most importantly, work optional financial freedom. I'm sharing everything that has helped me to navigate over a decade of PA life with you so that you can live long and prosper. The PA is in. So what is it? It's a live workshop style podcast packed with actionable tips and step-by-step instructions that have helped thousands to redefine success and create better balance in their lives. You will learn from fellow PAs how to earn more money, own your energy, take back your time, and build a life and career that you love. I'll be teaching on how to build boundaries, strategies for managing your schedule, negotiation hacks, and my unfiltered, authentic PA-specific truths and inspiring stories that can help you to create a life, a schedule, and a paycheck that you are proud of. You'll hear the most tangible, practical things that I use to escape burnout and become that unicorn PA. Along with sharing the best kept secrets, creating prosperity as a PA, I'll interview PAs and thought leaders who will share their best practices and evidence-based advice to help you create a life you love. Now, if you're new around here, you might not know about my experience with burnout. So two years ago, almost exactly, I got so burned out that I was crying in a puddle on the living room couch after my daughter called me stupid. 
So let me set the stage for you. I'm about eight years into my career as a PA, and I'm working as a urology PA at a big university health network. I was inpatient only, so I spent about two and a half days a week rounding at several different hospitals and two and a half days a week in my favorite place in the entire world, the operating room. When I was a PA student, I walked into the operating room and I never wanted to leave. You want to hear something funny? Before that, I thought I wanted to do family medicine. Who here does primary care? Bless your heart. I did not love primary care, but I did love the operating room. So my career brought me through general surgery to robotic urology. I was doing really cool surgeries. I was clamping renal arteries and doing partial nephrectomies. I was assisting on major reconstruction after cystectomy. We were re-implanting ureters. We were taking out whole kidneys. We were doing all of the cool urologic surgery. It was incredible until it sucked. When I started that job, I had a pretty good work-life balance. I worked about 42 to 48 hours a week. I had four kids at home when I started that job, and we had our fifth baby while I was there. And over the course of my time there, the network kept growing. And the CEO kept sending an email, we bought this hospital, we're building this hospital, so excited to grow and expand and serve our community in new and exciting ways. Great, I'm on board with that. And they would send an email that said, don't worry about the budget, we can afford it. Now, if you think I was worrying about the budget, you're crazy because when I started that job, our healthcare system had six hospitals. And by the time I reached the depths of burnout and quit, we had 14 in two years. It was major, major expansion, and they were growing at a rate that we couldn't sustain from a human resources standpoint. So I wasn't worried about the budget and who was going to pay for that new hospital. I was worried about who was going to round at that new hospital. I was worried about who was going to answer the phone calls from the ER because I was already inundated with more impatience than I'd ever had on my census, with sicker patients with higher acuity. And now I went from covering two hospitals to covering six hospitals and two two community hospitals on the periphery. I was like the transfer center. They were calling me for everything. I was working 60 hour weeks and we were on call every other week, one weeknight. So I'd work in the OR 7A to 7P and my call would start at 3 p.m. So 7A to 7P in the OR, 3 p.m. my call starts and goes till 7 a.m. the next morning. And then I work 7A to 7P the next day. And no, those shifts, those 7A to 7P shifts, they weren't 12-hour shifts. They were eight-hour salaried days. And four of the hours I was accidentally volunteering, which we'll talk about a little bit later. And I was getting super burned out. I was occasionally working 36-hour stretches without more than two hours of sleep. Why is the healthcare system think that this is okay? We make sure that over the road, long haul, 18 wheeler truck drivers log a certain amount of sleep for them to be safe. But I could be scrubbing a case next to a surgeon who was on call and neither of us had slept in days. It was entirely unsafe for us. And it was entirely un unsafe for the other people on the road with us. And it was really unsafe for our patients. So one day, Thursday morning, I had been on call the night before. I had worked 
pretty much around the clock. I think I slept for one and a half to two hours that night. I had gone into the ER to reduce a paraphimosis and I got that guy out of AFib and I stabilized his blood pressure all by reducing his foreskin. Thank you very much. And I walked in and said to the ER doc, I made him better. (laughs) And he did, he got better, but I didn't sleep that night. And it was 6am and my daughter, she's four now, but she was two at the time. She walked out of bed in her little purple footy pajamas with tiny pink owls on them. She rounded the corner. Someone must have gotten her out of her crib. I don't know who did that, but it certainly wasn't me because I was on my laptop and I was on the phone and I was holding my pager and I was beyond exhausted. Beyond exhausted is actually a significant underestimation of how tired I am at this time. I could cry at the drop of a hat. I could have cried if the wind blew. And so she rounds that corner and she's so sleepy and she's got little tiny like sleepy seeds in her eyes. She's so warm and snuggly like a new toddler just out of bed. And she says to me, mama up. She wants me to hold her and I'm on the phone and I'm on my laptop and I've got a guy with Fournier's gangrene at a peripheral hospital who needs a helicopter to our big university health center. And my two-year-old daughter wants me to hold her. And I say, honey, I can't hold you. I'm working. And because she has four older brothers who have taught her some choice language, she looks me straight in the eye and says, mama, you're stupid. And you know what? She was right. In that moment, I lost it and I was crying and I was carrying on. And one of my older sons said to my husband, Hey dad, I think that mom needs a timeout. She's overreacting. And he was right. I have never needed a timeout so much as I did that morning. So my daughter called me stupid and I realized that I was sacrificing my health, my sanity, my relationships, and myself at the altar of a system that did not care about me. The healthcare system will not love you back. If something happens to you, your family will never be the same. And the healthcare system would step over your still warm body to fill your role. My mission on this earth is to help other PAs to avoid burnout to recover if they are burned out, and to early identify burnout in themselves and their colleagues. I want to remind you that you can establish healthy boundaries. You can know your core values. You can have sustainable self-care strategies that work for you, even if it's rare and unpopular in this healthcare system. It's possible to be a badass well-compensated PA with healthy boundaries and a life where you sometimes work, not a job where you squeeze your life, yourself, and your family into the cracks of your schedule. On the PA is in, you can expect to hear about finances, energy saving and generating techniques, and how to have more time for what you value most in this life. Now, I love being a PA. Despite walking through burnout, the PA career has been incredible. It has been a really great blessing. 
in my time, I have been able to work at a peripheral um, critical access hospital, uh, a community hospital with just me and a general surgeon where we did all the things. And then I moved to a bigger university health network where I worked one-on-one with a surgeon doing general surgery. And that positioned me well to get that position in urology, which I loved until I hated it. And then I resigned. So after my daughter called me stupid, seven days later, I resigned. Actually, that morning, my husband said to me, you have to quit this job. You cannot keep going like this. And I looked him straight in the eye. And with all seriousness, I said, honey, I don't have time to quit today. So if you are feeling like you don't have time to quit your job, it's time to reevaluate your boundaries. It's time to reevaluate whether that job is somewhere that you want to stay. And the great thing about being a PA is that you can change roles. You can adapt your hours. You can change specialties as your seasons of life change. And I walked through this period of time where at the beginning of my career as a PA, I was working at a small community hospital in general surgery. I was base plus bonus. So I had a base salary that they sent me every month. And then I had a productivity bonus. Oh, did I love that productivity bonus. So what that meant was when they called me at 2 a.m. with an appendectomy, I jumped out of bed. I jumped at the chance to increase my numbers because I was getting something in my paycheck in two weeks that said from the healthcare network, thank you. Thank you for getting out of bed. Thank you for making this patient's surgery quicker and safer. And I didn't have a specific on-call schedule, so I had a lot of autonomy in that way where if I was free, great. And if I wasn't, I said no, but I really tried to be free because we were on a mission to get rid of our mortgage. And that money coming in was the tool that we used to be able to make really great traction towards paying off our home. And then I went to general surgery at a large university health network, and I got to go to M&M with surgeons from other specialties and learn about all of the things that I didn't have at my community health system. And that job in general surgery taught me a ton, and it also positioned me near the plastic surgeon that I work for now and near the chief of urology in the job that I work for in the meantime. Somewhere along the way, my priorities shifted. And early in my career, it was about how much money I could make as a PA. Sure, it was about taking care of patients and being a really great provider. That has been true the entire time. But at first, it was about the money. We were striving towards that financial goal. I wanted a bigger paycheck so we could get that mortgage out of our life and never borrow money again, ever. And that has been a huge piece about us becoming financially free and me being work optional. But then babies came. So I've been married to my husband 10 years and I have two stepsons that are in their teens and we have little ones who are seven, five, and three. That's a whole lot of kids in three years. So I had a baby in my general surgery position twice. (laughs) I actually got that general surgery job and then found out I was pregnant. So I had to call them and say, Hey, I'm going to need a really long vacation three months after I start. And I had only one day of PTO when I went on maternity leave. So I had worked really hard before I delivered my first biological son to save up enough money to float maternity leave so that we could still make progress towards our financial goals or even just tread water and not lose ground. 
before I took a maternity leave so we could afford for me to be off with him because the United States sucks at maternity leave, which we'll talk about on another episode. It deserves its own. And then I had another baby. (laughs) You see a pattern here. I had another baby working in general surgery. And after I came back with him, my surgeon had taken on some administrative roles. They were out of the office more. I was taking care of really complicated patients. They were bailing on office hours. They had poor boundaries. So I had poor boundaries. Poor boundaries are contagious. So I caught their poor boundaries and I started working more. And I had more responsibility and I had no mechanism for building boundaries and I had absolutely no strategies for self-care. And then I eventually switched. I went to urology and in urology, I had another baby. (laughs) So our youngest was born when I was working in urology and somewhere along the way, I realized that my time was more important than earning money. My values shifted and what I valued flipped. So I was valuing time more than money. If you want to know more about that, or if you want to identify what your core values are, scroll back and play episode 144. I'll link it in the show notes and walk through an exercise on how to identify your core values. I'll tell you how I did it and how you can do it. And there's a nice little cheat sheet for you to download so you can walk through it on your own. At my first PA job in that small community health network, I got, I had a connection. So someone knew someone. I think actually my program director from PA school lived in the neighborhood with the anesthesiologist who knew the general surgeon who was looking for a PA, which is all the time how it happens, right? Your great aunt Sally used to play soccer with the CEO (laughs) and somehow that gets you into that hematology job. It happens all the time. You have an entire network you know nothing about. So I interview, they say they want to hire me. I'm the first surgical PA they've ever hired. It was a tiny network. They had outpatient primary care PAs and they had ER PAs. And there was one nurse practitioner working in a cardiology group and that was it. So I was the first surgery PA to ever join this. They were calling themselves a network, but let's be serious. It was two tiny community hospitals, eight miles apart because the people in one town would not drive across the bridge to get to the other hospitals. So they needed two hospitals that were really redundant, tiny health system. And I say that with quotes and they say, what do you want to make? And I said, I think I had written down in my little DeSales university portfolio, 82 to 85,000. And I said, 82,000, <laughs> why I didn't go for the higher number. I have absolutely no idea. And they didn't blink. They said, okay. And I immediately said, damn it. (laughs) I'm still kicking myself for that 10 years later. I should have said more. I should have asked for more. I should have said I wanted to make 100,000 and let them blink, blink and offer me 98, right? Or 92 or 95 or 87, something more than 82. And the reason that I did that is I couldn't see my value. I didn't yet understand that I was a highly trained trusted, rigorously educated healthcare professional who was about to add massive value to that organization's bottom line. I had no idea how much revenue I was about to produce. And I had no idea the positive impact that I was going to make on the patients, their safety and education. So 
PAs, myself included up until recently, are historically not compensated based on our specific skills or years of experience. We're being compensated based on our ability to negotiate and no one ever taught us how. You remember my story about burnout? So I was working at this big university health network. I was working 60-hour weeks on average, even the weeks when I wasn't on call. And I didn't work weekends, so I was averaging five 12-hour days. I don't know if you've ever had young kids, but the hours between 5 p.m. and 7 p.m., our kids go to bed early. We are early to bed, early to rise as a family, and they would go to bed around 7 or 8. So the hours between 5 p.m. and 7 p.m. are really valuable to me. More so than between 1 and 2 p.m. because my older kids are at school. My little kids are at daycare at that time, the way that we run our life. So anyway, I was working 60-hour weeks and I was salaried. So 20 of those hours were me accidentally volunteering every week. Have you ever done that? Have you ever worked so much that you're accidentally volunteering? Because you're not being compensated for that time unless you're shift and then great, unless you have differential and then great. So at the time when I left the network, I was earning $120,000 a year, which is amazing, right? I went from 82, 10 years later, or eight years later, make 120. Sounds like a great increase, right? Also, bread and milk cost more, (laughs) which we'll talk about at some other time. So $120,000 a week. I'm sorry, that would be amazing. I'm manifesting that in my future. Someday I'll be earning $120,000 a week. But at the time, I was earning $120,000 a year, working 60-hour weeks, all year long. I did the math on a calculator, not in my head. That's $38 an hour. This year, after quitting from that network and working in private plastic surgery, I'll make $155,000. Now, it might not sound like that much, a $35,000 a year raise in less than two years, but I mean, you would cash that check if I sent it to you, right? What if I told you I would send you a $35,000 check and you could work half as much? This year, I have enjoyed the immense benefit of 28-hour work weeks. So my hourly rate is $106 an hour. So two years ago, I was making $38 an hour and my quality of life sucked. This year, I made $106 an hour and my quality of life is amazing. My schedule is better than ever. I work three and a half days a week. I don't do nights. I don't do weekends. And I no longer take call. My paycheck is fatter than ever. And most importantly to me, now remember, I now value time over money. The most important thing to me is that there were over 1,500 hours this year that I didn't work. So I got to take voice lessons and exercise and go to yoga and hang out with my family and go on a lunchtime date with my husband. I got to pull my kids out of school to ski with me and to go to Dorney Park, this amusement park near us, or to go for a run or a walk or the dentist. If you are multitasking, come on back because what I'm about to say is going to change your life. It's going to change the way that you see the future of your career as a PA, and it's going to open up the possibility that you never thought was possible. I quit a job working 60 hours a week and earning $38 an hour with no plan whatsoever because we had been diligent financially, and I landed a job six weeks later working 28-hour weeks and earning $106 an hour. I've nearly tripled my hourly income and slashed my work hours in half. 
If you think that sounds incredible, I'm going to show you how, but you have to subscribe so you don't miss upcoming episodes. So pause it, subscribe, plus a little plus button in the corner. It'll turn into a check mark if you're on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, as it's now called. I want every PA listening to know how to negotiate to earn more money and work less hours just like I do. In my career and in my experience working with clients one-on-one, I see five very common, very costly mistakes that PAs are making, and it's the reason that you didn't get a raise the last time you asked. It's the reason that this year you had a quote-unquote performance evaluation that resulted in a 2% cost of living raise. It's the reason that the salary survey isn't more impressive. If you want to know what mistakes you're inevitably making, go to tracybingaman.com slash mistakes. I will link it in the show notes and download your guide. It is the mistakes and it's also what to do instead. It's how to prove your value to your administrator. It's how to get them to understand what you're bringing to the practice. It's how to set a strong anchor and leverage it. I am so glad you are here, guys. I am so excited about this rebrand. I'm so excited for this show to be the PA is in, for it to be physician associate focused, and for it to be serving you in this very specific space that we live in. Thank you for listening to the PA is in. If this episode helped you at all, if the stories that I shared and the advice that I gave resonated with you, served you in any way, and helped you to feel less alone in this crazy healthcare world, first of all, yay, I'm so glad that it's working. And second of all, the very best thank you that you can give us is to share this episode on social media. Send it directly to one of your PA colleagues, your work bestie or your work husband or wife, and share it with that PA school classmate that you only ever connect with on Facebook. I will wait while you decide exactly who and how to share it. Thank you so much from the very bottom of my heart. I guess I should say the very apex of my heart. Someone in cardiology, tell me if that's right. Thank you from the apex of my heart for tuning in to the show by PAs for PAs, where we help you to build your life so you can live long and prosper. It's your turn to get inspired, take effective action, and become one of those unicorn PAs who loves their job, has abundant energy, has time to spare, and enjoys work-optional financial freedom. This PA is out. I'm doing a victory dance right now because you did it. You took the time to tune in, to reach for a better life, and to take care of you. Did our time together go by way too fast for anyone else? Head to fulfilledasamom.com for show notes and all the discount codes from today's show. You now have the tools and knowledge to change your life. Go blaze your trail, take that step, make the shift, and do the work to create fulfillment in your life today.